Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning. I'm Karen. We're going to start off with show notes today. We have our evening with medium events coming up on April 24th. Um, we are promising you that we will have a decision by next week as to what we're going to do with that event. Mm-hmm. We are 99.9% certain that we will be canceling it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we are doing right now is working with Eventbrite, which is the site that you bought your tickets through, um, to make sure that we can provide you with as many options with these tickets as possible, whether it's refund rescheduling, um, mm-hmm. or gift certificates. We just need to make sure that we're not violating any of their policies before we make promises to you. So next week, we will have answers for you. Um, you can tune in for that. As far as we know, we will still be hosting the August one, yeah. um, and we may need to make a different decision about December, but we'll promise to keep you in the loop um, with everything that we know as we know it. So you guys now know we have a second podcast series because if you've been following us on Coffee with the Sarlows, you're hearing constantly about emotional intelligence and spiritual intelligence. And that show, Sips of Sanity, is all about that. And so we've done a mini series of five shows that are clumped together. We pick a theme and we try and give you lots of tools in each of those five shows. The very first show is always free. It's on the website by sarlow.com. Then the remaining four shows in that series are on patreon.com backslash by Sarlo. Good. Okay. And then um, last but not least, we are still running business as usual, Mm -hmm. meaning that we are still seeing clients each day of the week, uh, Monday through Saturday, via distance. So Skype, telephone, FaceTime, Zoom, and WhatsApp. Um, Those are all available to you. They're just as efficient, just as effective, and just as accurate. So you don't need to worry about that. And you can still record your session depending on which um, device that you're using. Yeah. And you can stay home in your jammies. Mm-hmm. You can just be nice and comfortable. And if you were used to being here in our home on a treatment table, you can lay in your own bed and do your session. We also wanted to take time before we start the show to say thank you to all of our patrons. We offered to you as well as the public that if anyone just wanted Mm -hmm. to trial patreon.com or stay on Patreon during this crisis but couldn't afford to pay, that we were offering a free month and not one of you asked to have a free month. That means that we are still financially Mm -hmm. supported as two small businesses. um, And I don't think that we can convey in words how much Mm -hmm. that means to us, Mm -hmm. that you have stayed with us, that you continue to see the value and all of it, um, and that you're here getting through this with us. Yeah, so thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. Okay, on to today's show. Mm-hmm. It's going to be emotional. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fantastic and up and down and all kinds of things. It sure is, Kelly. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I lost my best friend, and I know that one of one of my best friends, Karen, Mitchell, and I know that she meant the world to you too. Mm-hmm. And a lot has happened since that time, actually, in those couple of weeks. Too much. Yes. Too much has happened. That's so true. And she weaves into all of this. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just going to start back 13 years ago. I'm, this is going to be a story today. Mm-hmm. Um, and and maybe you know because you usually say like a client story or medium or it's it's going to weave into a lot of different gifts, but it's also um, I'll say the point is to talk about love and mm-hmm. and healthy relationships and healthy connections. Yeah. So thirteen years ago, I was working at a naturopathic office in town where I had just opened my practice for energy healing, and I wasn't really using any of these gifts much. And Karen walked in. She made an appointment in the evening after work, and she was physically sick. She was emotionally struggling, and um, she was going through the most difficult thing she had experienced, as as far as she said, at that time in her life, which was the end of her marriage. She was going through the beginnings of the end. Mm -hmm. And as a result, it was taking a toll on her physical body as well. And she came in for an energy treatment. She had just heard from other people that the energy work could help. She didn't understand it, but she was open to it because she didn't know what else to do. And her goal was to, to get help. She was in therapy at the time too, she, which she ha- had told me. And that um, she was open to whatever experience the energy work could. So if there was channeling involved and all kinds of other things, she was just going to see what was going to fly that day. 
And I know that every year for the 13 years after that, she has thanked me for saving her life many times every single year in those 13 years that she said, thank God I walked into that clinic that day. Thank God I made the appointment with you. Mm -hmm. And many times over the years, she expressed how it had impacted her physically, emotionally, and then how a friendship grew out of all of that. So at that particular time, she was in for healing. And I, th- I just remember telling her at one point that I was going to move the practice into my house. And the point was that I, I liked working in the clinic. I was moving into my home for financial reasons. Because if I had my practice in my home, I wouldn't have to pay rent. And at the beginning, I real I was struggling paying the rent there. Well, in the beginning, you were undervaluing your actual career. Oh, yeah. I was charging $40 an hour, mm-hmm. which is just crazy for the amount of work you're doing in one hour. Mm-hmm. And the amount of energy I was using and how all the gifts were opening, I just it was just so incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember back in those days, being able to see about three people a, w- a week, and then having to sleep and take care of myself because the gifts were opening so fast that um, sleep was required. I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. And Karen found out, because I told her I was moving the practice into the house, she said, do you need any help? And I just remembered thinking, with what? Like, I don't even know what you could help me with. Well, are you going to paint? And I thought, well, I don't know. She goes, well, let me come and take a look at it. So I just thought, okay. So she came over and she took a look at my room and she went, oh, we have to paint this room. You get, you need a fresh coat of paint in here. You get your husband to paint the ceiling and I'll do the rest. And I had a brick fireplace that was red and black. Don't I remember? <laughs> yeah, at the end of the room. And she says, now get enough paint and get enough brushes and get some nice, good, thick brushes. I'm painting that fireplace. And I just remembered thinking, no. No, don't do that. It's going to be too much work and I don't want to do it. But her intention was, oh, no, we're going to do it. We're going to do it right. Mm-hmm. And if it's a lot of work, who? too bad. We're going to get it done. And I don't think that was my attitude. I don't even think that that was my belief at that time, that if something was worth it, that you worked that hard for it. Mm-hmm. That is something that I've learned more in the last 13 years than I did in all of the years up to that point in my life, which would have put me around 45. And her whole attitude was, of course we're going to do that. And my attitude was, why would we do that? So needless to say, that is one thing that has shifted in me, in gratitude to this friendship. Mm-hmm. So she sh- she showed up. That's hard to say. She, she, she showed <laughs> Yeah, she showed up and she painted that room. And then over the next, what, five years, I think she's, she painted every single one of the bedrooms yep. and she just kept painting. And mm-hmm. she would say to me, what else do you have to paint? What else do you have to fix in this house? What else do you have to do? She just wanted to paint. And I would say things like, why would you want to spend your evenings and your weekend at my house painting? And she would say things to me like, well... For company, if you put on the kettle and make me a cup of tea and you buy the can of paint, I've got the brushes. I can get your house painted for just the cost of the can of paint mm-hmm. and, now, tea. and a cup of tea. And so during all this time, as she's going through a divorce and a change in her life, she's coming over on the in evenings and on weekends and she's spending her time painting and we're chatting. And so we got to know each other. Mm-hmm. We got to know each other's stories of where we were and what we had gone through. And we discovered we each have eight, had eight brothers and sisters. Um, we had some similarities and we had some differences. And she's, she was a teacher and a principal. And I, I, I had no, nothing like that in my life to compare to. She would have been my boss. Mm-hmm. Had I worked in that system, she would have been the boss and I would have been her secretary because I had always been in administration. 
office admin. And I got to tell you, I don't, I don't ever remember a single moment of our friendship where that was ever an issue that she saw herself as a boss and saw me as less than. Well, she came to you for professional yeah. services. Yeah. But she never, I never felt, I never felt that that ever entered the friendship mm-hmm. or that she ever thought that she knew better than me or that she had a position of control over me mm-hmm. in any way or I think vice versa. Mm-hmm. So as she went through the house and, pa- and painted, three years later, I went through my own divorce. And I would say that very much at that time is when everything really changed in our friendship. Mm-hmm. When we were two single middle-aged women, if you can put us in our early 50s as middle-aged, because I think some yeah. people would say us, and maybe some people would say no, I don't know. We all know your sliding scale. <laughs> um, Young, middle-aged. Yes. Ish. Yeah. I'm just, I don't know what, what the terms yeah. are anymore. But during that period of time, Karen heard all of my stories of, like, I mean, I never, uh, pardon me, I'll finish that sentence. She heard all of my stories about clients, but never once did she hear a person's name or identity. Mm-hmm. She just simply, much like our clients and and much like the people listening to the podcast shows, they just are hearing the story or what we've learned, not the identity of anybody. Mm -hmm. So remember my very first time I went to a school, I was asked by a massage therapist to visit a student with cerebral palsy, nonverbal. And I went into that classroom that day and was able to give information to the teacher and to his EAs about his medical health. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time that I had ever tried to do it for a person who was nonverbal. And I did it because the massage therapist invited me, the teacher invited me, the EA invited me. It was an open attitude. Yeah. Every single person on the team was open to it. The mom and the dad were open to it. And they were paying for it. The school board doesn't pay for the service. The parents do. And I'm allowed to go into the school system to do it because the parents are paying for it. So I went in and I was able to give medical information that his EA, who was also a retired nurse, was able to confirm. And things about the family that the EA and the parents were able to confirm. And so... For the very first time in over a decade, this young man, who I think at the time that I met him was probably around 15 or 16, had a voice. Mm. He had a voice. He actually had his teachers and the people who care for him listening to what he was saying, and they were able to validate the information. And I remember getting back into the car and thinking, what just happened? I was stunned. I was truly shocked that I could hear his voice, hear his thoughts, and that whatever I'm hearing, feeling, sensing, inner knowing, smelling, using all of these different gifts, that all of these professionals were telling me that I was right. And that they willingly listened to it and acted on it. And sometimes right in that very moment Mm -hmm. where the EA and teacher said, could you leave the room? We need to check that. And so they literally had to pull the curtain around him and check his physical body for what I said, Mm -hmm. because it was in the groin area and it was correct. So then I was invited back once they had him dressed properly again. And this went on. So when I got home, I was stunned. I was elated. I thought in that moment, what could come of this? Mm -hmm. And I came in the house and Karen was upstairs painting. Your bedroom. Mm -hmm. And I came in the door and I was still just baffled by everything. And she said, so how'd it go at the school? Now, she is a principal. so And and she was a principal here at a school in this city at that same time. So I walked upstairs and I said, can I sit down and talk to you? So I pulled out a stool and she said, put the tea on. 
So I went down, put the tea on, came back. The two of us, she's painting, having her tea. I'm sitting on my ass having my tea, which was our standard. And she says, now tell me all about it. What happened? And away she went, painting the wall. So she's staring at the wall, and I'm talking to her back. And I proceeded to give her all of the validations that occurred. And she put her can- her, her paintbrush down, turned around and looked at me and went, like just shock on her face. Mm. And she went, do you have any idea how proud I am of you? She says, that takes balls, girl. To walk into a school and say all those things and do all of that, that takes balls. Good for you. There was a celebration immediately. Mm-hmm. There, was, there wasn't even a doubt in her mind that I exaggerated or that I made it up or that I was crazy, or a liar. There was 100%, I believe you, we got to celebrate this. Right there. Mm -hmm. And then we sat there together and she went, okay, because she was a special ed teacher. So she sat in front of me and said, oh my God, do you know that I taught special ed? Do you know that I work with these children? And I'm like, no, I didn't know all of that. And she's like, do you have any idea of how you're going to change people's lives? Do you know that you, if they let you into the school systems, how this could affect how the teachers interact with the students, how much anguish will be lessened for the staff and for the families and the students? Do you have any idea of what could be accomplished with this? And I just remember the two of us sitting there with so much hope in our hearts that day. It was crazy. It was just crazy. It was just beautiful. Can I? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think it's important to stop and go back to not a doubt in her mind that, you know, what you were saying was true, not a doubt in her mind that mm-hmm. what you said um, was accurate and not exaggerated. Mm-hmm. And And I think there's a couple things in here uh, hopefully that regulars will will be able to pull out. Um, and that's that you were listened to, that you were actually heard mm-hmm. um, and believed. And they're two different things mm-hmm. because, and, and you'll stop me if it's not appropriate, but she was one of the first people aside from myself that gave that to you, mm-hmm. that did that for you, yeah. um, especially coming out of a marriage mm-hmm. where you weren't heard yeah. or believed. That's right. Um, and I think that that we can't let that story go by without pointing it out because if the if the intention today is to teach people through Karen um, and and talking about who she was mm-hmm. at her core, mm-hmm. she really, really heard people. She really, really listened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, she did a number of other things with her listening skills, but I think that's one of the most fundamental things that you can learn as a human is to listen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, it, you're 100% right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Kelly, I remember telling you this, or, or telling you about this, and I remember you saying to me, well, of course she believed you. She was one of your clients. You helped her. Yeah. And, and, and so Karen came partly from a place, partly mm-hmm. from a place of having had her own experiences to yeah. what it could do for her. Mm-hmm. And then she also had what I would just call Karen Mitchell. Meaning that that was her personality. Yeah. To listen to people. But you have to have the combination of the two. And I think, too, like we've had clients who don't listen. We've had clients Mm -hmm. who do nothing with the great information that their guides give them Mm -hmm. and make us wrong, Mm -hmm. make the information wrong because they don't want to change, don't want to work, don't want to fill in the blank. And she, she's a doer. Oh, yeah. By all definitions, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I, I think, yeah, it was great that she had uh, her own personal experience because, you know, there's a foundation there of trust and and mm-hmm. and a little bit of understanding. Cause I don't even claim to understand it. Um, yeah, I think she's just remarkable in that way. Well, I found sometimes that Karen believed more in the gifts than I did. Yeah, I find that a lot of clients do. <laughs> yeah, like she would, I would tell her a story, and I would be just shocked. I remember finding or working on finding the first missing person. And she was just like, good for you. Yeah. And I was like, huh? 
I still find myself driving down a street being like, are you sure you're a medium? Like you say it, but like, are you? <laughs> yeah. But there are clients who, you know, I've seen for years and they, tr- they trust and, and they affirm. And I have to remind myself that those experiences exist. Yes. But, but Karen's one of those people yes. because she would work hard as a client and as a friend to affirm things. Oh, it's and wh- you can't do that without listening. That's right. Yes. So that's absolutely beautifully said, Kelly. She, she gave me affirmations all of the time. And, and I mean repeatedly because Karen remained a client for 13 years. Mm-hmm. She booked her sessions to talk to her mom, who was alive for most of those years, at least 10 of them with us in our friendship, where she asked about her mom's health and what her mom needed as mm-hmm. she was aging. And then her mom passed away. And then after her mom passed as a medium, she continued to connect to her mom's spirit. They were best friends. So we went through quite a process together as as well as medical intuitive together, as well as things about her own career. She went through legal cases where families sued her and sued her school board. And she was terrified. Um, she was innocent in it. But she was still afraid that the legal system would not find that because they would want to settle something to look good in the media. Mm -hmm. Turns out her board of education in Brantford uh, had more balls than that and stood up for her and stood beside her and said, no, the family is wrong. And they turned out they were wrong. They had lied. Mm -hmm. And and that is something else about Karen. If she was wrong, she admitted it. Mm -hmm. I never found that she had any difficulty to say, I made a mistake. She might not like that she made the mistake, especially if it hurt somebody, then she was not happy. But she could say, oh, shit, that, that, that wasn't right. I shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I better go back and apologize. Oh, I better do this. But she always had a plan of action. Even if she didn't like it, she would go through process. And that was something else that the friendship gave us was a process. Because of her education and her jobs, Karen was fantastic at creating processes for every single student. Mm-hmm. Lesson plans, alternate things for families, for staff. She had to pull every aspect in in her career to see every single person's needs. Mm-hmm. Whether it was the board's needs, the trustees, mm-hmm. the her family, staff. the staff, the child, but she always brought it back to whatever the child's needs were. Because if we have to change the trustee's opinion or educate them, we can do that. But the student's needs had to be first. And I'll say closely behind that, the teachers. Mm-hmm. Because she was, she was very fervent about protecting her staff. And making sure that they had what they needed to help the student. See, because it goes right back to helping the student again. That's how she saw things. So she was, like, I just remember that she was so able to help me see so much more in my life from all kinds of perspectives. And then she would turn around and say to me, I don't even know why you tell me that. Because you have the perspectives of the spirit guides and the... All of the, yeah, the spirit animals and the person's soul. And she goes, so I think you're crazy gifted at getting all of those resources and perspectives and you create action plans. And I would go, yeah, that's true. And I, but you do it with the humans. And she would go, yeah, but you do it with the spirit world. Oh, you're both right. And, and we learned that. We learned that we both had those qualities. But I would say then that from that, I took more of that into my daily life. Mm -hmm. I took more of that into running a business and into more of my friendships and practiced with her and then was able to do that more in every aspect of my life, Mm -hmm. whether it was just for me alone as a single person and in all of the other aspects. Mm -hmm. And so that leads me to something else. She taught me how to be crazy happy single. Yeah, I, and I think this is the part of the show that I really want to focus on too. Yeah. And I, I want people to, before you tune out and think oh, I'm married, um, it's important to know how to be single in your relationship. Oh, yeah. To have your independence. It's important to know how to be single 
in case your partner dies before you. Yeah. It's important to know how to be single so you can empathize with your single friends. It's important to know how to be single so that you can just be a good person. Yeah. And if you're a single parent, that you can be a healthy single person so that you can walk your children out the door and into their own futures, into their own lives, so that they can leave and come back without shame, without guilt. I believe our friendship at a time when we were both single and both parents of adult children, though, made us better parents. Hmm. We bounced ideas off of each other. We asked each other all the time about each other's children, individually, and listened. And we never talked over each other. In all of those conversations, we never interrupted each other. We might laugh over each other. (laughs) We might cry at the same time. But we didn't interrupt each other. We listened. And if one person was starting to talk and the other one interfered at the same time or we started at the same time, we paused. We paused to see who, who was going to speak or what it was or who maybe what it was about or if it was more important for one person than the other. And as we listened to each other, Kelly, we never tried to change each other. Mm. There was never, never in a conversation any inference of any kind to try and sway the other person. I, I think it's neat that you're choosing this language because I know mm-hmm. for a fact that you tried to grow each other mm-hmm. but not change each other. And yes. I, think it's, I think that's remarkable and really, really cool and worth mentioning because I know that Karen was one of the people in your life that would say, and what are you doing for fun today? And what are you doing to learn today? And what are you doing to feel today? Yep. And she just had all these really creative questions long before you and I were doing habit trackers and uh, reflective questions. I would say she was my first habit tracker. Oh, well, fine. (laughs) She can have the credit. In the sense that we checked in. Well, you, yes, I can say you do as well. But we absolutely checked in for each other and asked each other a variety of questions that were productive. Mm -hmm. There was no wallowing in anything. I mean, there was grieving, but there was no wallowing. Mm -hmm. Things were seen as productive. Even crying was productive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And And then there was a plan of action after that, and off you went to do it. Mm-hmm. And then we would check back in with each other, and it could be a complete mess. Maybe it didn't go well, but that was never the point. The point was that we tried. The point was, okay, you gave it a shot. It didn't work. That's okay. Well, I think, too, the point is is that you guys did things with so much kindness. Mm. And that even if it didn't go well, even if it mm-hmm. got screwed up or it was the wrong decision or whatever, it was always done with a really good intention. Because mm-hmm. um, Karen, like uh, as as far as I know and, and or knew about her, like integrity was her number one mm-hmm. intention. Yep. I want to say too, because I don't know if at some point you plan to talk about this, so I'm going to bring it up. Um, her ability to anticipate needs. And and I know you oh, mentioned yeah. this with her career. Um, and I know this is true of her girls and how she's been such an incredible mom. Um, but when you when she was redoing your home... Can you, I tell yeah, the story? Yeah, for sure. Well, when I was on my own at the beginning, we were redoing each of the rooms. And I was also changing this this basement, which was a family room, into this, into these offices mm-hmm. at the beginning, not the studio, but the office mm-hmm. and the sitting room. And she walked, well, she knew what my bathroom looked like. It looked like something out of the 70s. Think like rustic orange and cream if you're trying to really get a picture. Everyone. Oh, and then forest green. Oh, it was just god awful. And she said to me one day, okay, so we got these bedrooms painted. We've done the three bedrooms upstairs. The bathroom's next. And I went, I can't do that. I I don't have any money. Because I had to budget every year Mm -hmm. for whatever I could do towards the business and whatever I could do towards the house. And she knew that. She knew I wasn't in the same position as her. And she said, well, all right then. And that was it. And she left the house. 
And then I think you came home and we were in the kitchen doing maybe cooking dinner or uh, no, let me clarify. I'd be in the kitchen cooking di- dinner. I'd be You'd be you talking. <laughs> Still true to this day. Yes. And Karen walked in and I thought, oh, why is she back? Like, what's what's going on? So I said, hey, what's up? And she goes, I just have to keep the door open here for a bit. I got to bring something in. She got me a toilet. <laughs> she brought the toilet in. She bought it over at Canadian Tire on sale for, I think it was like $100 or $200 or something. And she goes, I know you have to do the to- the bathroom eventually, whenever you're ready, and not facetiously. Mm-hmm. She was sincere and kind. Whenever you're ready, I bought the shitter. <laughs> that mm-hmm. was it. And she put it down in the laundry room in the corner. And it was like, whenever you're ready. And it stayed there for years. It did. It stayed for years because I didn't have the funds. Other things presented themselves that I chose to work on instead. And eventually, the bathroom got done. Mm -hmm. And Karen's shitter was installed. (laughs) Now, I want to tell another story about that one. Mm -hmm. About a month ago... Karen called and said, there's a virus. And I hadn't heard it yet. And she said, one of the girls is in public health. She goes, so one of her daughters called and said, you have to be prepared. And this is what you need to do. So Karen called me the day, I guess, that her daughter called her. And she said, I want you to go out and get toilet paper. And I was like, what? And this was like well over a month ago, two months ago. And I said, what do I want toilet paper for? And she goes, I just want you to go out and get one package of toilet paper, one extra roll of 12, put it up, took it. All right. I got that. That night she'd call me. Did you get your toilet paper? Karen, I got, because I, I know damn well she's going to call and ask me if I got the toilet paper. Mm-hmm. Sure. She, yeah. She, she was your accountability person. Totally. So yes, I got my toilet paper. Did you want me to send you a picture? No, I trust you. Now I want you to make a pot of chili and put it in Tupperware containers and put it in the freezer. So I did. And then she would call and say, okay, I found a really good recipe that makes like 12 containers of soup. I've sent it to you. Go get your ingredients. And on the weekend, make sure you make the soup and put it in the freezer. I did. Mm -hmm. My freezer was full by the time the virus struck. Mm -hmm. And jam-packed. Because she kept making sure that I did one thing each day or each couple of days. It was no big panic. She would simply say to me, tonight, you're going to go out and you got to get stuff to stock your shelves. And I remember saying, stocking my shelves? I don't eat like that, Karen. I eat fresh fruits and vegetables. I'm one person. I just buy a couple of pieces of salmon for the week and a, a couple of chicken breasts. I don't, I don't buy a head like that. And she said, well, you're going to, you need this. Go out and get protein bars. I now have seven boxes. Oh, that's why you brought that up today. Of protein bars. Mm -hmm. If anybody's looking for protein bars, give me a shout. But I'd like to say to you, anyone listening, like you did this in stages. This was not an out to hoard. We did this as weekly groceries. Oh, yeah. It would just be... That as I was out getting something, I just added a couple of things to each grocery each week. That was it. So she stocked. She made sure that I had stuff in a pantry. She made sure that there was stuff in my freezer. And she she is a five-hour drive away from me. Mm. And she was taking care of her best friend or one of her friends. Yeah, I think this really speaks to uh, what we know of her family and how the nine of them took care of each other and took care of their mom. Yes. And through the years, we've heard lots of stories of how the brothers and sisters, they're one unit, they're one team. Yeah. Um, if if someone in the family can't afford something, the rest of the family pays for it. Yeah. If one of the nieces and nephews can't afford to go to school, the aunts and uncles all paid. Like it was just, and, and everyone did what they could. It wasn't necessarily that it was all divvied up equally. That's right. And I, I just, like, I think that's so foreign to people these days in in this like idea that we're supposed to actually all be helping each other. I remember her talking about their their boxing day 
hanging around in their PJs or I can't remember what day it was. I think it was Boxing Day that she loved because all the Mitchells down in Paris, Ontario would get together and play games and have dinner. And and one of the brothers paid for the rental of the room Mm -hmm. so that everybody could do that. And that Karen would make nine jars of, of soup and bring it and give it to each person in her family. And that they traded recipes and jars of soup. Mm-hmm. And like just the stories that she told about her Mitchell family and her her own family of her and her two daughters mm-hmm. and how they cared for each other, how they checked in on each other, how they asked what each other's needs were. And it was something that became very incorporated into our friendship. What are your needs? Which is where I wanted to steer it because if, if we're talking about Boxing Day as an example – her family didn't do huge extravagant things. The oh. you know the wealthy brother didn't take them on a cruise. He made sure that they were all fed. Mm-hmm. He made sure that they all had shelter. He made sure that their mortgages were manageable. Mm. And they didn't do for each other. They let they let everyone do what they could for themselves. Mm-hmm. But they were there to support you so that you weren't alone, mm-hmm. no matter what your situation was. And she extended that to me. Yes. And then in turn, I wanted to extend that to my children and to my family and to my friends. Mm -hmm. It became a way that I made sure I checked in with clients, the way that she would check in with her students. And so I noticed that over the the years, over over a decade, that my conversations changed. Mm -hmm. Not just between her and I but between me and everybody else in my life. Yeah. Everybody in my practice, what are your needs? Do I have your consent? She would talk about how she would had to, had to check in with the teacher, how she had to check in and make sure that it wasn't crossing anything within the union, how she had to make sure that it was okay with the superintendent or with the family or with the student. And I thought, wow, if she has to check in with like five different people for every single little thing, I certainly can make an effort several times in a one-hour session to check in with my client. Mm-hmm. And it became a joy to do. Not a, not a I have to, but a, I want to know if you're okay. I want to know if your needs are being met. It was. It is truly sincere to check in. Can I talk about her creativity as well? Yes. Because I think about... Her being a, f- a four-hour and 20-minute drive. I don't know how slow you're driving there. Um, but sh- the creative ways that she found to stay connected from a distance. Oh, yeah. She would get up and invite you to have coffee with her yeah. over the phone. Yeah. She would say, send me your artwork and yes. so I can see what you're working on. Yes. There was such an ability or um, an effort to still have a very interactive friendship. Oh, yeah. So that she wasn't just hearing about things. She found ways to see what you were doing as well. Yeah. And I would text her my pictures mm-hmm. as I learned to paint, to color, to sketch she she was part of every single step because she saw every single picture. And she commented on every single picture, as mm-hmm. a good teacher would. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> I, I want to say, too, like the the questions, the creativity of all the questions that she yeah. would ask, not just as check-ins and trackers, but where she would say, you know, what's one th- one fun thing you learned from the guides this week? Or yeah. there was, it wasn't, how was your day? Oh, no. It wasn't something boring and flat where it was up to you to converse. It was, this is what I'm curious about. This is what I'm excited to know about you. And I think like her her effort for her enthusiasm, which I believe is very effortless, but I mean, she still put it all out there. She made you feel special. She made you feel interesting. She made you feel important. And I'm saying you as a general person in her life. Yeah. Um, Because again, it wasn't just how was your day. She she asked questions to let you know that she remembered what you were doing, and that she was actually interested in it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't do for each other anymore. Mm -hmm. Is is be creative and think how do I want to interact with this person in front of me that I say I love? Or what do I want to learn about this person that I've known for 13 years? Mm -hmm. What could I learn about them today? Oh, and we shared books together. We Mm -hmm. grew over those 13 years and reading 
so many books on self-development and we used those books and worked them. Mm -hmm. We would read a book and then take the questions right out of the book and use them on each other and practice. How do you respond to that? What did that make you think? Did that make you feel something? It, It was a joy to have somebody to work through processes with. Can you share what her little, I don't want to say catchphrase, but can you share her little process? Well, do you mean it is what it is? No, but I do like that one too. Oh, that was one of her expressions when we would get to a certain point in a conversation and then she'd go, well, it is what it is. And at that point it was like, "Mm mm-hmm. And we both, you both just sort of had to sit in something because sometimes you had to just accept shitty stuff. Okay. I do want to say though, I think that's a better follow-up to the one I was referring to. Because oh. <laughs> if you go through the process, then you can actually accept that it is what oh, it is. Oh, the process. I think I know what you're talking about. Well, we had a process where she would always say, say to me, um, if you know, if I was calling, or if she, oh, she called me lots of times when she was going through really difficult stuff in the divorce, or just legal. being single. Well, the legal stuff and too, the legal yeah. stuff and the principal stuff and and just stuff. Mm-hmm. And then she would say, I, "I'm going. I, well, I'm going to have a cry over this." And then she'd go, "So put the kettle on." <laughs> I'd go, "Okay." So as we were chit chatting, she'd wait to have her cry, maybe. We'd put the, each put our kettle on in our own homes, four and a half hours away, or four hours and 20 minutes, and we'd make our tea, and then we would sit down, and we would chat, and we would have our cry. and Or, or one of us would have a cry. We didn't always cry together. One of us would have a cry. We'd have our tea after that, and then she'd say, okay, we had our cry, we had our tea, now we have to make a plan of action. And we'd, have, we'd make a plan of action at that point, because now it was about seeing choices, perspectives, opportunities, lessons, growth, whether we liked it or not. Mm-hmm. And then, it, but you know, Kelly, usually even if we didn't like it, we could like something in the process mm-hmm. and, or the attitude of I've got something to work on and try. Or even sometimes just the attitude of I'm done with that. Or the attitude of if this goes sideways, I've got Karen. Yes. Which was so true because sometimes it just was looking like everything was going to go sideways no matter what we did. But we knew we could still come back and talk to each other and that we were going to find the lesson or the laughter or the cry Mm -hmm. and that there would still be a cup of tea, another process, and then another action. And that that was my favorite thing. Mm She was so grounding. Yeah. And it's those processes and those relationships that ground us. So I also learned doing energy healing when people would say, I booked an appointment so you could ground me. Could you clean out the first chakra? And I would think, yes, but you still need to have process. You still need. And then I would start explaining these processes that I had learned with Karen. You can't just go into an energy healer and say, ground me, and walk out and have no skills or no tools or no friends or no person in your life. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work. You have to have a balance of things. And that is absolutely something that I completely had with Karen was a balance and processes, opportunities, backup plans. She was my person that would have dragged the dead body out with me, you know, and buried it for me or with me. (laughs) This analogy went sideways, if nothing else. You know what I mean. (laughs) She would have told me I was doing the wrong thing. And and what was my, you you realize we're not doing the right thing here. (laughs) You realize the police will find out and then we'll have to have another plan in action. (laughs) Like it was just, there was so much humor. Hmm. And, and people are hearing that we went through legal problems. We went through all kinds of financial... Not dead body legal problems. Not dead body legal problems, but school issue problems. We went through divorces. We just we went through just different things in life. And I'm not saying that they're the worst things in life. A divorce isn't the worst thing. But they're hard. But they're hard. Yeah, they're hard things. They, they might be hard things financially or emotionally. Just different steps to take. Mm-hmm. 
And there was so much respect in it that no matter who was going through what, or both at the same time, what are we going to do when we're both going through shit at the same time? Well, we'll slow it down. You, you go first and then I'll go second. Yeah, I, I like that you're bringing this up because I think it's important for people to know that in a relationship, you both have turns. You yeah. both have a turn to speak and a turn, a turn to listen. Yeah. You both have a turn to be heard um, or to just be. You know what, Kelly? I remember sometimes being on the phone with her and I had an issue and I, would, I just so wanted to talk to her about it. And then she got on the phone and she was in a complete meltdown. And it was like all of a sudden my meltdown just was not as important as her meltdown. And and I was fine with that. But I think it's important to clarify that it's not necessarily the content itself, but the ability to empathize. Yes. And and the kind of love that you cultivate in that kind of relationship that allows you to know that your stuff is still important and is still pertinent, but to be able to go, it can be about them right now. Yeah. And then it would be about her. So say in that instance, it was all about her. And it was sometimes, it was for months because it was about the legal stuff and Mm -hmm. it was terrible on her. She ended up in two lawsuits at the same time. And so she was going through a lot. So her call would be, I'm in a meltdown. And that was fine. But then that evening or the next morning when she was on a coffee break at work, she'd go, hey, I'm in a corner. I'm in my office. I've got five minutes. I had a meltdown last night, but I'm calling this morning to check in and see if you're okay. Because it was all about me. Do you need to talk to me? And I might say, yeah, I'm in a meltdown too. And she'd go, okay, I'll call you tonight at six o'clock. Or I'll call you on my way home from school at 3.40. Book it in. Yeah, there were plans. There were plans and there were check-ins to say, yeah, that was all about me and I know it. But okay, I had a moment there to think, shit, better check in with Karen and see if anything's going on in her world. And sometimes I would say to her, no, everything's good in mine. It's totally fine. It's about you. I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm thanking you that you checked in, but it's okay that it's about you. And she'd go, okay, good, because this just happened this morning. And it might go right back out into that direction again. But there was the thoughtfulness and the empathy and the check-in and again, a healthy process. Yeah, because she could still come outside of herself yeah. to see that another person had needs as well. Yes. Yes. And we both did that. Mm-hmm. And again, I want to say that I got to do that with her, and then I got to do that with you. Mm-hmm. And then I got to do that with other healthy people. And I noticed that over the last 13 years that as I changed doing all those things, I lost other friends. Mm-hmm. In a process where I got healthier, the unhealthy people in my life ghosted me. Mm -hmm. They dropped me like a hot cake. And I can say that at the time, I could understand why. Because as you're getting healthier and you're asking better questions and setting better boundaries, unhealthy people don't like that. They don't appreciate what you're doing. They want to stay in their drama. They want to stay in the dynamics that I used to have. Mm -hmm. They didn't like the healthy change. And all I could do when I remember talking to Karen about that, that I was having friends that were ghosting me, she just said, yeah, me too. Do you think it's because you and I are changing? Do you think it's because we're getting healthier with all these damn good authors and good books and practicing and that we have each other? Yeah. Well, do we want to continue on that path? Or do we want to stay with those unhealthy friends? Mm-hmm. And we both just went, no, don't want to be with the unhealthy friends. Yeah. Don't, don't want to go back to any of that stuff. But it, it ended up being a very conscious choice mm-hmm. to be okay that while we got healthier, the friend group got a lot smaller. And then through those 13 years, the friend groups got bigger again as we found healthier people. Mm-hmm. And as the healthier people who stayed with us got healthy with us. Lots changed in mm-hmm. over that last decade. Lots. Yeah. I wanted, can I, can I go? Because mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I appreciated as a daughter of, of this relationship um, was 
the conscious conversations that you guys had to make an effort to take care of yourselves. Mm. And I know, I'm sure if we were talking to her daughters, they would say the same thing. And I know I can speak confidently on Andrew's behalf that the two of you would say, what did you do to exercise today to keep healthy and not, not young, but fit or strong, um, and I know there were lots of jokes about being able to lower yourself on your own toilet when you earn your shitter, pardon me, um, when you got older. And it was, you know, did you put good food in your body today? Um, and it was all, it was all to maintain your health and your, your mental health as well as you both aged. Yeah. And as an adult child, that means a lot because it means that if you do get sick, I can trust that you did everything that you could to be healthy. It means that I can bypass the anger. Um, or if I'm angry, it's just, you know, that this is happening, but I'm not angry at you for yeah. letting it happen yeah. um, or bringing this on. And I'm so grateful that you had that that person to, to drive you to health, mm -hmm. um, to keep you healthy as well, the same way she would say to stock your freezer. That's important. Yeah. Um, and I say that so that if you are listening and you're married, are you doing that for one another? Mm -hmm. You know, are your joint children or your stepchildren going to be going to be angry that the two of you don't even hold each other accountable and now you're unhealthy for your children? Mm -hmm. um, and again, as as a child of this relationship, I hope it's okay to word it like this. Yeah. Um, the plans that you had to be in an old age home together <laughs> and to keep each other um, mentally stimulated and, you know, to dance together, to celebrate, to yeah. to keep your routines as much as, as possible, I thought was just so wonderful because I didn't, I didn't ever see either one of you as lonely. Yeah. Or alone. Yeah. Um, in, in any aspect and I think that that's really wonderful, and and as well, especially for um, you know, for for you for having been single for so long. If I'm not around, if I you know, if I wasn't around, or if I was on a trip with Eric or or something, it was like, okay, mom's having a hard day. Okay, but she has Karen. Mm -hmm. Okay, but she has Gina. Okay, but she has Denise. And it's there's comfort for me to know that someone has your back. Um, and can hold you accountable if you're in your shit or mm -hmm. um, is just there to debrief about your day where it doesn't fall on your kid. Because I know a lot of adults who are aging parents who are not healthy, who still make their children fill a void, um, mm -hmm. whether they have a partner or their partner is just not present. And so they're making their child be their world still, yeah. even though they're supposed to have grown up and moved on and, and had their own life. Yeah. And rediscovered the parent-child relationship, you know. And I think, in in all honesty, we didn't ever ex we didn't really expect to end up in the same old age home, location-wise, because mm -hmm. her and her family are in, in a different city. Mm -hmm. But so much of our friendship for the last seven or eight years was in two different cities, and so much of it was simply all through communication by technology. Yeah, and I think we just saw that that would just continue, mm -hmm. that we wanted to stay mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally healthy for all of our lives. And she, she did until the last moment when she had the aneurysm. Mm -hmm. she, truly, she truly did stay as fit as she could. And and we we would check in. Did you do CrossFit today? No, nope, I had to, you know, it was raining. I went on my bike. What did you do? Oh, I did yoga. I went to Zumba. I did this. Well, what did you do for your mental health? Well, I, I, you know, I did this type of thing. I had fun. I, I cooked. What did you do for your emotional health today? Every single aspect of life we cared about. Mm. And I, I think, I think that's worth repeating. I know you've said it. I just think it's so worth repeating. Mm. Yeah, because we're talking. You know, I could refer to almost every every show that we've done together, we're talking about a relationship where you are seen and heard and validated and and you have someone saying, I know you and I understand you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wanted to point out something else. And I think people are hearing it, but I want to say it. We took turns leading. We took turns following. There, there were times where we felt equal, and we were just sharing. 
And there were clearly times where she took the lead on something and spearheaded and said, I found this book, we're going to work on this. And there were other times when I did that. It wasn't all me or all her. Mm -hmm. There wasn't, she's a leader and I'm the follower. Nothing like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important. I thought when I was going, like preparing for the show, I thought about what a great horse Karen would have made. She knew when to rest, when to lead, when to follow. When I think about Carmen Theobald's show on mm-hmm. the Master Herder and the all of the different aspects, all of the different roles that we have in a lifetime, I know that Karen took the time to wear each of those roles And I I won't say perfectly. I don't think anybody ever thinks another human is perfect by any means. We didn't strive for perfection as individuals or in a relationship. That wasn't a piece of it. But just the ability to know that if you're up and you're leading, people are counting on you, that you have to be accountable for that. You have to be aware that you're in the leadership role, the responsibility of caring for other people, not leading by bullying or leading because you want your way narcissistically, but that you lead because you are a true leader and taking into account everyone's needs in your pack. Yeah, I think too, on the opposite end, when she was in her restful state, let's say, or um, you, you were leading, there was still a practicing of awareness. There was still, it was still an active role that she was playing to know that at any point when you then need your rest, she can step up and still know what's going on. Mm -hmm. There isn't this obliviousness and putting a weight on someone else's shoulders and then trying to step up and really knowing you have no idea what you're doing Mm -hmm. and then essentially making the other person stand up and do the leading again. Right. She, she balanced everything very well. Yep. And it was it was wonderful to watch all of those things in her and then to strive to do them too. Mm-hmm. Well, and I know you've said many times that since her, you've, you've been a different friend to friends, mm-hmm. that if a partner were to ever come, you would be a very different partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as you've said, that you've been a very different practitioner to your clients. Mm-hmm. Yes, because I know in sessions that there are times to lead. There are times to let the client lead. Mm -hmm. There are times to rest in the session, to let the energy work occur, to let the channeling come in, and that some clients don't understand all of those different things that are happening. But I do, and I feel confident in them. If someone says to me, well, you were quiet during the session, or, you know, there there was silence, I know why there was silence. I can explain that. And if they don't want to hear it, I'm okay with it. I'm not nervous, I'm sure. And it's something that has come with age, but not just with age. It's with these processes that that we both participated in and created. It's been an incredible friendship. Mm -hmm. And it continues to be because she keeps showing up. Mm-hmm. It was her idea to do today's show. I asked her last night when I went to bed, what should I do the next show about? And she goes, well, how about us? How about our friendship? How about what the two of us learned? How about showing for the people who care to know what healthy friendship is or healthy relationship is? Why don't you share some of that and just make it ours? And if they want to get anything out of it, let them. And if they don't, you and I are okay with it. Thank you. There's resilience, eh? Mm-hmm. If somebody says, how do, you, how do you get through life? Resilience. But you have to have all those tools to get to resilience. And she sure taught me that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Is that the show? It is. Okay. 
So if you have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at Just a reminder for anyone who is holding tickets to our April event, we will update you next week as to what we are doing with those tickets. Um, also, thank you to everyone, no matter where you're listening from or watching from today. We very much appreciate your support and love. If you are joining us through patreon.com, um, thank you again so much for your support financially and emotionally. We very much appreciate that. We hope you have an excellent weekend. Mm-hmm.